Welcome back to this episode of Market Saints, and happy deadline season for all of my St. Andrews listeners. As the semester wraps up in the next week or so, enjoy your week off before we're all thrown right back into finals once again. Such a joy. It's a grind out here. But anyway, let's get into cash and checks. I'll go first. My cash and checks of the week is Roblox. For those of you that may not be familiar with this company, Roblox Corporation owns Roblox, a.k.a one of the, if not the biggest game in the entire world. It's available on every type of electronic console, from your phone to your computer to your Xbox. This game is mostly marketed towards younger kids, but also has a very, very large adult following. I mean, Roblox has thousands of user-created games within its platform, with the most popular game getting over 23.78 billion visits over its tenure. That's a pretty insane number. On top of that, Roblox has 43.2 million daily users. That's right, daily users. That puts them at over 100 million users weekly. Let's put that into perspective. 415,000 people on average watch a Premier League match. And 17 million people on average watch an NFL game. That is dwarfed by Roblox on a daily basis. This stock just went public in March, and it's going crazy. It is continuing to push its all-time high, and it is up 60 to 70% this month alone. Well, Cole, real quick, if this is a kid's game, don't you think that COVID would have artificially pumped up their numbers with everybody quarantined at home, and shouldn't they be dropping with the kids back at school, hopefully? Well, so this is a very logical conclusion to have. So you may think this is mostly a kid's game, It must have been really great for them last year during COVID with online school where kids were, you know, quote unquote, in online classes, giving their full attention, when in reality, we know most kids were doing something else on the side, aka playing Roblox. So then you may think that COVID would have inflated this stock and game big time. Wrong. Not only has their activity numbers stayed consistent, but Roblox announced earlier this week that they were taking steps to prevent the very problem that you just mentioned by setting up a Roblox education division that aims to support 100 million students learning on their platform by 2030 by equipping educators everywhere with dynamic learning environments that bring to life educational content. On top of this, Roblox is also creating a $10 million fund dedicated to bringing high-quality educational experiences to Roblox and to support educators in using Roblox Studio in their classrooms. Beyond even that, they're leveraging their its studio, uh, Roblox Studio, to help teach computer science design and developmental courses to millions of kids. So guys, in short, Roblox is coming to schools. Not only is this a game for fun and recreation, they also have individual games within the Roblox world that can be very engaging for kids, but also educational. And that's the best way to teach kids. You have to trick them into learning by doing something that they find fun anyway. And this is the market that Roblox is hitting on the head. So yeah, guys, Roblox, great stock to watch. Great week for them. All right, Stu, what do you got for me? So Cole, one last question here for you about Roblox. You know, we grew up in a time when, you know, kids were sat in front of computers. We saw Webkins, we saw Club Penguin. How does Roblox avoid joining those two games and how do they turn into a Call of Duty, something that's still hanging around? 
So one thing that Roblox has that not a lot of other games have is that it's a kind of sandbox environment. And what I mean by that is it's completely user-created. So wherever the demand is, users can create games to specifically tailor towards new markets. So here's a great example. Squid Game. It's a popular TV show that all of us have, have watched out on Netflix. It's absolutely taken over the world, crushed every single record of Netflix watch time. There are Squid Game mini games where you can go on Roblox and as a kid who's just watched Squid Game, maybe I'd be interested in saying, wow, I wonder what it would be like to actually play those games that they're doing, you know, in the real world. And while it's not in the real world, there have already been hundreds of unique games where a Roblox kid can join one of these games and play in the Squid Games just like they watched on TV because Roblox is able to evolve with the contemporary news and world. That's really incredible. So it's really adaptable, just kind of like a Minecraft with more games in it. Yes, it's absolutely completely user created. And yeah, it, it adapts to absolutely everything that, that you know, comes new in the market. Yeah, you know, Cole, knowing that, plus what you said about their educational vision, I really see some longevity out of that stock. That's a really cool pick. Yeah, most definitely. So what do you got for us for uh, cash and checks? What's up, guys? I'm talking big money here. I'm talking Moderna. So we all know Moderna has been a pretty safe stock pick throughout the, this pandemic period, and it's seen significant growth following the release and subsequent rollout of its vaccine program. Recently, since the start of the month, the stock has been taking hit due to the announcement of the Pfizer COVID pill, which is moving forward with the FDA. The Moderna stock dropped nearly 17%, but I think it's time to buy. The stock seems to have stabilized around the $235 mark and is in prime position to rebound. The company has been at the forefront of fighting the COVID pandemic with its new mRNA technology and its vaccines. I don't see a way that they don't come out with an anti a competitive antiviral pill. You know, the technology has been around for ages and it's much easier to access. The noise in media around therapeutics started long ago with hydrochloroquine during the Trump administration. And it's only getting louder nowadays with voices like Joe Rogan jumping in and supporting their own medications. It's obvious all Big Pharma needed to do was slap their brand on a competitive pill and release it to pump up their stock, as evidenced by Pfizer riding an 11-point wave right now. I see Moderna doing the same very soon. I don't think the stock is getting any cheaper at all. The therapeutic pill will save lives, and the government contracts and big money will only start to pile up, and so will that stock. I think Moderna is a great pick. Unfortunately, the pharmaceuticals market is very volatile right now, although the company's in the pharmaceutical company are very successful and grounded, the stock price is very media headline driven. We saw it earlier at the beginning of the pandemic with Johnson & Johnson after their vaccine was not as successful as the other rollouts from Pfizer and Moderna and all the rest of them. You know, they took a pretty big hit reputation wise, even though their vaccine now works perfectly fine. A lot of people still remember, you know, that scandal. But I think Moderna will definitely bounce back because I think all these pharmaceutical companies are kind of too big to fail, especially in this current market with how ingratiated in society they are, with how necessary they've been in the media and the market. So moving on to my breaking banks of the week now, I have a stock that has taken an absolute beating as of recently, and that is Roku. Shares of Roku are getting plummeted Wednesday after some notable analysts downgraded the stock and suggested that investors have simply misinterpreted the company's story and potential as of late. Supposedly, people have just been way too optimistic about this stock and the impact of their advertising performance has on the results. They're doing this without understanding the impact of new streaming launches. The target price by these analysts was lowered from 330 to 220 
stating they thought the long-term revenue and earnings estimates are just too damn high. In order for Roku to meet their target estimations, they would have to monetize an absolutely absurd amount of long-tail AVOD, which just stands for ad-based video on demand, which even simpler, it's just the ads you get before watching a YouTube video or consume content online. Roku is down 29% on the month, with 11% of that coming in the last few days. Currently, it's dancing around its 52-week low at 245, with its year range between 231 and 490. It's just not doing fantastic overall. I think Roku, I remember it was a really hot stock last week, or not last week, last year rather, where a lot of people were saying, invest in Roku, it's going to be great for long-time returns. But I think all of that hype behind Roku has finally caught up to it, and now it's finally realized that it's not on the same scale as Netflix and these massive streaming services, and that it needs to get more realistic with its estimations. So Stu, what's your uh, breaking banks this week? All right, guys. So this week, my breaking bank is Visa. So we all know the credit card company, and it's come to blows with the supergiant Amazon as of late, who announced they will no longer be accepting the UK-issued cards due to heightened transaction fees. So due to this, Visa's stock performed so poorly, in fact, I'd say it plummeted after the announcement, it alone accounted for a major loss to the S&P's value. The stock led to composite's biggest losers, taking an individual hit of over $11 and could be at risk of larger losses. Although the UK only makes up a tiny, minute portion of the company's global operations, it is the larger implications of recent events that has me shorting the stock. People, people are already well aware of the large number of small businesses that refuse to accept American Express due to their transaction fees. So imagine what it means that Amazon, just, just let me say this twice, Amazon is refusing to take Visa due to high transaction fees. If other companies crunch the numbers and follow Amazon and boycott Visa, then I can't imagine their stock growing again. In a market that is already so saturated in a world where people are trying to cut back on the number of credit cards they have, I doubt anyone will be cutting in line to get a shiny new Visa with this in the news. Although, looking at the metrics, Visa is a statistical monster. They have high EBITDA margins, a great PE ratio, and their beta is practically perfect. They might as well be secretariat looking at an open track, but they need to stay out of the news and get back into Amazon if they want to stay in this race. That's definitely a huge trap that Visa could find themselves falling in if they're not careful. And it's especially detrimental when you have a massive giant like Amazon calling you out. I mean, think about it. I buy, 60% of what I buy is through Amazon. And if Visa is your main credit card that you use and you can't even use it on Amazon, they could lose a lot of customers through this. Yeah, and Cole, what you really have to think about here is, like I said, Amazon can't afford this. So think about the keys or the central. How is a bar or a restaurant or just even a little shop coming out of COVID supposed to be able to afford these new high transaction fees? I, I just, I, unless this changes, I don't see Visa going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, me personally, I wouldn't have a credit card where it's like roulette trying to see which place it accepts and which place doesn't. I mean, that's just incredibly inconvenient. And the purpose of a credit card is to be convenient. And, and when's the last time you heard someone say, oh, I need another credit card? Well, I'm serious. When's the last time you heard anyone say that? Yeah, so this could definitely be a trap that they fall in if they're not careful. Now let's get on to the Rock Report. For this Rock Report, we are going to be talking about COP26. Whether you were falling asleep or if you're getting nothing done, it was the place for you. And that's why we're skipping it. Yeah, it turns out COP26 was pretty uneventful. So in other UN world news, 
You heard it here first, as reported on Market Saints, we are ending world hunger. Or are we? Or are we? On Twitter, a recent exchange in the last couple of weeks, the UN was just going through a regular ad campaign talking about how they would only need six, I mean, I say only, but there's a pretty significant amount of money, but to some of the richest people in the world, not so much, $6 billion to end world hunger. I think it was to feed 42 million people. I think that was around the number statistic, which is 2% of Elon Musk's net worth. Now, Elon Musk responded to this UN tweet and said, if you can prove to me where this $6 billion is going to go and not only prove it to me, but prove it to the public. So basically he wants receipts. He wants to see where all of this money's going, that it's not lining anybody's pockets in the UN and the UN have yet to respond. Because we all know where that money would have gone. So what do you think about this, Stu? What do you think about the entire situation? Just give me your take on it. I think it's pretty spectacular that the UN actually, I'm sorry for the lack of words, the cojones to get on Twitter and whine about needing money to end world hunger. Somebody actually steps up to the plate. Somebody says, yeah, I'll do it. Tell me how we'll do it. I'll make it happen. And they just went silent. It's incredible. It, it just, it, it's kind of mind boggling. It just, what do they really stand for? That's what we have to ask at the end of the day after that. Yeah, Elon Musk is quite the figure at this point. I mean, being the richest man in the world by a pretty big margin now. I mean, he's got, I think, 50 to $100 billion on Jeff Bezos right now in net worth. He's way over 300. And um, for him to be as openly vocal as he is, especially on Twitter, just about any of his opinions and you know how his brain works, I think it's very interesting and something that's never been seen before. Because usually with these really big, not even billionaires, but just celebrities in general, they're usually not as publicly vocal, especially on social media, because they usually have people running those accounts for them. But Elon Musk, being probably one of the also busiest men in the world, having the time to get on Twitter and interact with people, I think is actually turning the table a little bit, a really big portion of why his net worth has increased so much with Tesla. People believe in him because they feel like they know him. And, you know, the other thing that you really have to think about, there's two things here. One is the fact, I think you told this to me the other week, if he were to liquidate that Tesla stock or whatever stock it was, he, the tax hit on that would make it well above the $6 billion mark. Isn't that right? Yeah, the tax itself would be absolutely nuts. Yeah, and so my second thing here is, look, if the UN, you know, if they put this out there, Elon Musk stepped to the plate, like I said, he's ready to knock it out of the park, fix this issue, and the UN isn't ready for him. I don't see why somebody like, you know, Joe Biden or Sarah doesn't step up and say, look, this is the number. We crunched the numbers. This is what it'll take to fix homelessness. This is what it'll take to fix that. Because it sounds like he's ready to, he sounds like he's ready to change the world. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting approach to all of this because more often than not, you have a lot of big bureaucracies and, and big, you know, government figures of, of any party saying that, you know, just blanket statements of we need this to fix this problem. We need this for that. And now... Somebody has publicly stepped up. He hasn't made it very difficult. He literally just said, here, you want the $6 billion? Have it. Show me what you're doing with it. And, you know, Cole, it, it, with all of these guys, it's like, you know, who's got the deepest pockets? It's a big contest. Who has the biggest boat? Who has the fastest car? You know, whatever. If he does this, I bet Bezos steps to the plate. I bet Gates gets involved. They're all going to try to take on something because, you know, you're going to put your name in the textbook. Yeah, and, you know, as it is, a lot of these big billionaires are already – big philanthropists. I mean, you look at some people that are a little bit older, like Bill Gates, who has tons of charities. He's given back to continents like Africa for a very long time and has done a lot of good. But I mean, I definitely think that they would then take the initiative with Elon Musk. I mean, why not? 
you know, Cole, I mean, yeah, those charities are great. I mean, you can never, you know, never, ever say anything bad about that because they're obviously doing great things. But, I mean, this is like, this is world hunger. I mean, Elon Musk pretty much just went to his refrigerator, went to his grocery list and said, oh, broccoli, whipped cream. Oh, world hunger. We'll, we'll get that one in there, too. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think the reason that this has gained so much more traction is that when you have a Bill Gates foundation, when you have this, there's 100 people behind every Instagram post, every Twitter you know, tweet. There's so much thought behind it. Elon Musk is impulsive. He's just saying whatever he thinks at the moment. And that's why people have so much faith in him because it seems so much more authentic. You know, it's it's just like the last week we were talking about uh, Dave Portnoy. Like, these are just normal guys who happen to have had, I mean, obviously it's not quite on the same scale, made a lot of money and they're public figures doing normal guy things. You want to chirp at Elon Musk, he'll he'll chirp right back. He'll send a tweet right back at you saying, yeah, you got an issue, I'll fix it. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting situation. And I guess we'll see how it unfolds in the coming weeks. And we'll see if the UN does step up to the plate and take Elon Musk up on his offer. Nothing would make me happier to see them actually come through on this and prove that they can actually be an effective organization. Yeah, most definitely. So thank you guys for listening to this episode of Market Saints. We hope you enjoyed Stay tuned for a couple of interviews that are coming in the coming weeks. Uh, I'm going to get those done, and I'm really excited to bring you guys some pretty awesome guests near in the future. And uh, be well, and we'll see you next week. All right, see you guys.